Hello, good morning. Can you hear me okay? Hello. Hi, Michelle. Good morning and welcome to Sunshine for a Better World. This Thank is your, you. Uh, let me introduce you briefly. This is Michelle Letterly. She's an Arizona native, mom of three, and former educator. She made a career change for year, years ago to help people get out of debt, be properly protected, and gain financial freedom. She has helped many families and business owners put together financial plans to help leave a legacy. Well, yeah. that's, that's amazing. So what made you get into um, the financial world? What made you interested in that after being an educator? Yeah, so there is a couple things. One, my joy and passion for helping people. So um, I get the opportunity to help people improve their financial future to provide them with that financial education that we don't learn in school. Um, so that was one of the reasons. The second reason was for that exact reason of I didn't know stuff and I was learning it uh, prior to working with the company and realized, man, if I don't know this, a person who's got multiple degrees, um, very educated and loving to learn, if I didn't know it, surely there's a ton of other people who don't know it. So uh, it's, this is information we need to get to the, you know, the masses. And then three, uh, we were affected personally by um, a loss, which left us in financial ruins. So I wanted to be able to help people avoid being in that situation so they didn't have to struggle like we did. Oh, well, I can certainly understand that. And I, I worked in finance and I knew everything about, you know, the stock market, how it worked, the financial products. But what I didn't know was really personal finance, how to budget. Mm -hmm. how to, and I think until you and I sat down and we, um, we did a budget, I hadn't really ever taken the time or I, I don't think I had the knowledge to know I mean, I knew the basics, but not like methodically. So why do you think people fail to budget? Well, it's just not talked about. If you're not learning it from your parents, you're not, you're not learning it at all. So, you know, it's not taught in school. We're not required to take any courses on it. Um, you know, I'll be 40 in a couple of weeks. And when I was in school, the only financial type of stuff that we learned was senior year of high school in your econ government class. Uh, and they, you know, you did study the stock market for like a week, which really tells you nothing about the stock market. Because uh, you kind of have to monitor, monitor it for a very long time, not just a week, right? Um, and then I can remember in like fifth grade, they taught us how to write a check, you know, uh, yeah. which nobody does anymore. <laughs> we have all these great online <laughs> tools that we, you know, does, nobody even keeps track of like a, their debits even in their checkbook, you know, so uh, those skills don't even apply, but, you know, it's just not being ed uh, taught in the schools. It's not uh, offered in like community classes and, uh, you know, society doesn't even really talk about it much. It's starting to become more of a thing that's talked about, but in general, um, you know, we just don't talk about it. And unfortunately, if our parents never budgeted or um, never learned those skills, then they don't have those skills to teach us. So we're kind of creating a vicious cycle. Exactly. And I saw, I followed Dave Ramsey and I saw that um, he is, has a program where you can sponsor his um, financial peace university in schools so that teens, um, he has a program for teens. And I saw also Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he's got a book um, aimed at teens. 
So I think maybe we are starting, but we're so far from where we need to be. And, you know, we need to be offering these things in school. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things my company does. We have a we have how money works for adults, uh, which is a free class that we we will offer to uh, the community. So we do not charge a penny. We don't make a penny on it. But we also have a how money works for kids. And I have taught that class many times. And we do partner with schools. We partner um, with, uh, you know, community groups like um, what is it like single moms, you know, young single moms who are trying you know, oh. have to really stick to a budget, uh, you know, foster care system. Um, I've done like an through, through COVID, I did an online, uh, zoom seminar that the parents were able to watch. And I taught about how much we don't focus just on teens. We actually go back and even talk about how to set up, you know, like an allowance or how money works for even kids that are in, you know, fifth and sixth grade. So you can start with them at a younger age, uh, different tools that they can implement. So like something I'm even implementing with my kids, they're 18 months and about to be five next week. And they've got their piggy banks. And when we get money, then we put it into, they've got three slots. They've got a save uh, portion. They save part of it. They can put it into their spend little container and then uh, like donate. So they're learning that they need to be, you know, doing all three so that they can not only have good financial security for themselves, but then we have that budgeted portion of what we can contribute to others and what we can spend. So when they want a toy or something, they don't have to ask me if they've got the money in their, their piggy bank for that section of spend, then they can buy it. So um, you know, just kind of teaching them so, some basic finance uh, techniques and, and tips. That's really great. Uh, do they do little chores so that they can earn the money to put it in their piggy banks? Um, so the, they do little things here and there, but, you know, it's also like their birthday money or, um, you know, if they get money as a gift or, you know, dad comes home and empties his, you know, pocket of change, things like that, or I hate carrying change. So whenever I have that, then they each get some of it and then we get to we just you know it's a little uh like container that has like three slits in it so it's one container with three different sections of it and so they put put a coin in each one and we just keep going around in a circle you know that we keep putting a coin in uh, because they're still too young to kind of understand you know the difference between a quarter and a penny so we just practice putting the the coins in the slots so and if it's a dollar (laughs) dollar bill then I rotate it yeah so but you know you know it's good to start young with them, even if they don't have a clear concept of, you know, the difference between a dollar and a $20 bill. Understand that we, we can, we save our money. We also um, then can budget to what we spend, right? So that we're not just wasting our money either. Exactly. Because I think that's a, kind of a misconception about budgeting is that you can't spend it all when you budget sure. and really just have to figure what's realistic and reasonable. And I know some of these plans um, that I listen to, they're good for getting you out of debt, but they're not really that realistic. You know, the old, uh, you can just eat rice and beans, you know, (laughs) I I don't know. Like for me, that doesn't quite work. I mean, I like rice and beans, but it's just, (laughs) yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I'm all about like getting out of debt, but it just seems so austere. And I think there's maybe a middle ground where you can learn to budget, but budget yourself in um, maybe only go out to dinner once a week or something more realistic yeah and we've got different you know I work with different types of clients so you've got people 
to get out of debt sooner, but I want to be able to also, you know, uh, go out for a meal once in a while. And then you've got some people like, I don't care what I got to do. I just want to get rid of this debt because I'm tired of it. Right. So we've got from one extreme to the other. So that's exactly what we do the computer system that we put a budget together uh, like we did for you and see where we've got money left over or how much money we have left over and how is that money best suited? Does, is it best suited to go towards, um, you know, paying off that debt? Is it best suited to making sure we have life insurance in place because that's really uh, a key component too, especially if they're married or have kids. Uh, um, and then investing because we want to make sure we're paying ourselves first as well, right? We want to make sure we have that money for retirement uh, so that we can enjoy retirement as well. But I, I get that, you know, you want to have, you want to be able to enjoy life now too, right? We don't want to be suffering in this, what I call in survival mode, you know, for the next five, 10 years to be able to enjoy later. So some people are like, yeah, I can, I can, stay in that, you know, strict mode for the next two years. And some say, no way, I need to have a coffee here and there. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people, you know, there's room in your budget. Um, people spend and go to Starbucks and they're every day they're having, you know, spending five to $10 without realizing it. And then all of a sudden, like at the end of the month, like, what did I spend on? <laughs> but Sure. And yeah. we're all guilty of that. I have my, like, my, um, fun money, if you'll say. So my, my money and my PayPal is like my extra money that I don't use. It's the, they're like for, if I want to do something extra with the kids or, you know, get their photos done or something like that. That's like my fun money. Right. And, uh, that's usually where my Starbucks money comes from as well. <laughs> yeah. Same thing because I'm in, you know, I don't look at PayPal often and I did look at it the other day and I was like, wow, I kind of went overboard on Starbucks last month. So I got to, I got to knock that off. <laughs> so <laughs> it happens because we just, like I said, you know, with, it used to be when you had a check, your statement and you compared it, right. So you could see everything. Now everything with it being digital, people aren't, don't generally go back and look at their statements. So I always recommend to people print out your statement, right. Do oh, it for idea. the, you know, the past three months. Right. And then I tell people a really great tip too, is get a couple of different color highlighters. Right. And then, you know, highlight all of your bills in pink, right? And then, um, you know, uh, your subscriptions in blue, go through and you're eating out and coffees and things like that in yellow. And then that way you can uh, see how much. So sometimes then you're like seeing all those yellows and you're like, oh, whoops, yeah. <laughs> maybe I should cut back on that. <laughs> exactly. I love that idea. I'm going to definitely implement that. Yeah, the visual and really helps, you know, uh, being able to see that. Is there one color that's really sticky? that we maybe need to adjust. And same thing like subscriptions. People don't realize they forget about subscriptions. I had that. I went through my credit card. Same thing. I was like, oh, I forgot about those two subscriptions. I got to cancel those. You know, it was one of those things of like, you need it temporarily. It's the free trial, right? But if you don't exactly. cancel it after the free trial, it automatically charges your account. And we always forget about those if we don't set a reminder. So same thing. I had to go back and look through there. Oh, I've got two. I need to go back and cancel. So I'm not being charged 30 bucks a month. Yeah, exactly. And it's those little things that add up because we all get sure. like Netflix and Hulu and then all of right. a sudden we've got, you know, all the other little subscriptions that's maybe $10, $15. I've been really careful about not signing up for the trial period subscription right. because you do forget. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're spending a hundred dollars. Six months later. Things. Yeah. You've wasted <laughs> 200 bucks. Yeah. And you know, that's one of the things that's why I tell people it's really important. We have the computer software to, you know, put the budget together, but I also tell people it's good to have a paper form, right? Um, just because you can see 
uh, it all in one spot. So you can find those things, those subscriptions that you forgot to turn off, that you're spending too much going to, um, you know, eat, having coffee or eating out, right? Uh, my husband's, uh, that's, that they go out to lunch every day, like the type of job he can't take his lunch. And I'm like, ugh, so much yeah. money wasted in my mind, right? Because I don't really eat out a lot. My thing is my coffee. But also looking at, are we paying $150 a month for cable that we don't watch, right? If you're anything like me, if I ever did watch TV, it was something that I recorded and then watched later. So what's the point of having it? Because Netflix anyways, I'm, I don't need to watch it live, right? So there's ways exactly. that people can look at certain that, you know, this is kind of a waste of money because we don't really use it. So we could even get rid of it as a temporary, right? And take that 150 bucks and apply it to something else until we get that debt paid off. And then maybe you go back to having all the cable channels you want, right? So there's there's just little things that we can look at to strategize and uh, see where we can best suit, save some money and put it somewhere else. Yeah, and how do people, see, I think a lot of um, debt, when people start getting ready to pay off their debt, a lot of it's really psychological. So I think, you know, they can get overwhelmed and feel like, well, I'm never going to get this paid off or right. I don't have enough money. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. So how do they start to get ready to really live that debt free life? Yeah, absolutely. So I was exactly that type in my twenties. You know, I, I went to school for many years, so I have the lovely student loans. I bought a home, but I had the I lived on credit cards in my twenties because money. So it's a lot of sleep myself. Going, oh my god, how am I ever going to pay this off? I'm probably going to be in debt until I retire. How will I retire? Um, how you know before I bought a home? What, how would I buy a home? Those kinds of things. So I tell people. You know, gather your debt stuff. It is kind of a mindset, but by uh, like sitting with someone like me who can put that plan together, we can show you how the way you're paying your debt now, what does that look like? How many years is that going to be? What's the projected interest you would pay? And then we have the software and we're the only company with this software that will calculate the fastest way to get somebody out of debt and how to save them the most money. So it kind of puts your debts into an order of operations. I know there's programs out there that will tell you start with the lowest balance or start with whatever's the highest interest rate. Those are great, but this is a mathematical system, right? Uh, the computer is pretty smart. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's foolproof, right? And being able to show them, I had a client, they were literally going to be in debt for a hundred years and that's, that's not exciting. 13 years. That's a big difference, right? So now they've had, they've alleviated stress and worry knowing that they're not going to be in debt forever. They just need to stick to this plan for 13 years. And this is the best strategy. And then we're able to take into consideration they have, you know, money coming in. If there's, you know, a big tax return or some people are about to get, you know, they got the stimulus check. They're like, but I don't really need the stimulus check. Where is this best suited? Should I put it towards that debt? Um, or, you know, those kinds of things. Maybe you get a bonus, right? We're able to show them how to best uh, place that money. But I think it is just a matter of I have to be diligent. People have to really uh, stop using the credit cards. And that's what's the hardest part for people is they – um, they can't seem to give up using the credit card and sticking to paying cash and what's in my budget. 
struggle or they pay finally pay off that credit card and then they rack it back up. So, you know, I tell people if we're going to get a credit card paid off, then we need to stop using it, stop carrying it with you. Um, we need to build an emergency fund so you don't use the credit card as your emergency fund. Um, and I, I tell people even, you know, put it in a uh, like a Tupperware with some water and make it into a giant ice. If you need it, I love it. <laughs> if, you, if, if you can't resist using it, right, that way you have to take it out and wait for it to thaw. And by the time it thaws, you're like, okay, do I really need this? Do I really need to use this credit card, right? So it's, you know, gives you that instant reaction of just swipe the card, right? Um, yeah. Even but, debit you know, cards, I, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I stopped using credit cards and well, I use it just for Costco gas is the only mm-hmm. thing I really use, but I pay that off every month. And back in March, I said, you know, this is the only way I'm really ever going to tackle this debt is I need to stop racking it back up again because I pay it off and then rack it back up again. Right. So right. I found that once I really stuck to my budget and mm-hmm. I, I just either paid cash or I used my debit card, I had to think a lot more about what I was buying. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Do I actually have enough in there? Am I going to, you know, and I would really be so much more careful and cautious knowing that I had to have the money in there and I didn't want to dip into my savings. So it just really works. I even heard that you should pay in cash if you can and not even with the debit card. Yep. Yep. That's another trick. Um, You know, some people use like the envelope system with their cash. Um, It's so easy when we get, you know, um, direct deposit and then we have stuff set on auto pay. (laughs) So we're not really, we're not thinking about any of it. So there's no uh, conscious decision, right? I'm like, oh, I got to log in and pay this. Or I'm one of those people, I still write out checks. I I like that. That works for me to be able to write out the check. I am not a fan of auto debit just because then I forget and sometimes, you know, I don't uh, put the dates correct. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, five things came out on one day. Whoop, whoop, you know? So <laughs> if, I yeah. have, if I have to write it out, then I'm able to keep track of, you know, better of where it's going and when it's going. So you have to find what works for you. Some people are great with auto debit uh, so that, you know, they don't have to worry about forgetting to pay it and having a late charge. So there's that benefit. But yeah, sticking to a budget is huge. Being willing to give up the credit cards and using cash, making sure you have an emergency fund because it's a matter of when, not if, right? We all know emergencies are going to happen. It's the summertime. So yes, your air conditioner is probably going to go out or your battery is going to die or yep. your tires are going to melt. <laughs> yeah, so like something's going to okay. happen and it's never convenient. But you know what I've noticed is when you have that, uh, that short term, that emergency savings built up, you know, about a thousand bucks or so. Um, once you have that built up, you tend to not have emergencies as often. Really? It's, I, don't, I don't know what it is. It's like the, the, like the universe just knows like, Hey, they, they're, they're being diligent. Right. And they're being prepared. It seems like I, since I've had an emergency fund for the past two, two, three years, I think we've had like one emergency where I had to dip into it and that's it. Whereas I feel like before, um, when I was living paycheck to paycheck as a teacher, right. And I mean, paycheck to credit card to paycheck, right. Exactly. I was maxing out, maxing out credit cards, having to borrow money from people. If I did have an emergency, it's like, you know, you're going to need tires. You can budget for that. But it was like, Oh shoot. I need, I need not one tire, but two tires. And I 
can afford one. So now I got to borrow money from somebody to pay for this tire and then I got to pay them back. But it seems to be that if you've got that emergency fund built up, you don't seem to have emergencies as often. That is really interesting. I've never really thought of that before, but it, I think it definitely works. And I know I just, um, on 4th of July, I was driving home from my sister's and wouldn't you know it, I got a flat tire. Well, <laughs> but, the worst here in Arizona. Yeah, it's very common. But luckily I had um, a warranty on my tires, so I didn't have to really pay anything. Sure. So that was good. But I'm wondering, um, what is there any debt that you feel would be okay? Like if it's a zero interest loans or you know like credit cards that have zero interest or care credit i care credit is horrible care credit is usually a 32 to 36 percent interest rate so i don't ever recommend care credit um credit cards in general i tell people to avoid them especially if they don't have any (laughs) self-control yes there are some people i know i do have some clients that know how to work credit cards um, so that they can earn the points because they travel a lot. But that those are people that are making several thousand a month. They can pay off that um, that bill right away, right? So like my husband, he does have a credit card. He puts a couple – he's trying to rebuild his credit. So he, he does use it a couple times a month, but, man, he pays it off right away. So if you can pay it off right away, that's fine. But that's also his only debt. So, and I wouldn't even call it debt because he pays it off every month. So I really just don't encourage people to have credit cards in general, just because most people don't know how to use them the right way and don't pay them off. So um, I don't suggest it. You know, obviously everybody's going to have, most likely have a car payment, right? Until we can get that paid off. So that's very common Um, or having a mortgage, right? But we'd like to get that completely paid off so that they, you know, are completely debt-free. And when you're completely debt-free and you're not having to pay, you know, $1,100, $2,000 towards those debt, man, you can work. You don't have to, you don't need a credit card. You don't need... Um, a loan, you've got that money right there worked into your budget, right? So that you're able to then now invest and have that short, not only just an emergency fund, but a short term savings, right? So um, I just, I really don't encourage credit cards if you really don't need them. Yeah, because I know I was talking to my mom about that. And she said, well, I pay mine off and I get points and this and that. And I'm like, well, I know what you mean about the points that can seem like, but really, how much are you getting in points? You know, unless you're somebody that's, you know, charging three grand a month to get points and then you're paying off three grand a month. Sure. (laughs) There's not too many people that are in that situation. Obviously, you know, you have many uh, people that are very financially savvy, business owners, things like that. Uh, But for us general, you know, population, the middle class, you know, making 40 to, you know, 80,000 a year, you really don't need to have them, especially if you have that savings built up. Yeah. And I think it's like, again, there's a psychological component to it. You know, we're using credit cards as like, well, this is my emergency fund. What What if something happens, you know, and my car breaks down and I have to get new transmission or my roof goes, you know, we kind of hold it. And, and like you said, if we have those maybe three to six months built up in an emergency fund, most likely we won't ever need to use it or we might very seldom need to use it. Right. Exactly. 
Yeah, so people just need to sit down, um, preferably with a financial coach of some sort or a financial advisor of some sort, um, and put that full plan together. So I know you have to be careful of who you meet with because sometimes, you know, there are some financial advisors or financial coaches that only do one aspect very many that work on that debt side that will help you with debt and budgeting. I personally do help people with that um, often. So you just kind of need with somebody that would be able to give you that full plan. Um, so because you want somebody who's looking at that debt and that budget side, but also looking at the long term, meaning what are our long term goals for like retirement or building that savings or saving for a down payment on a home, things like that. Exactly. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people, um, retirement is when you're living paycheck to paycheck, retirement is just something that we put off and mm -hmm. people don't really realize, you know, when you're at that retirement age, you might retire it in your 60s and live to 100. So that's a lot right. of years to have to, you know. Yeah, I just read an article a couple of weeks ago that um, people are saving, you know, they're re retiring about 65, right? And they've got enough money to last them till the age of 74. But people on average are living to 82. So that's eight years of money, no money. You do, you know, nobody wants to go back to work at 74. Um, and, and I'm sure there's not very many places hiring <laughs> or looking for somebody yeah. who's 74, right? What kind of work can you do? So it's really important for us to be saving in the long run. And the sooner you can save, the better, right? Even if you are living paycheck to paycheck, I'm sure there's something you can cut out to, um, you know, put $25 away a month into a retirement account. I know that's not going to get you to retirement right away, but until we can get more income or alleviate some of that debt where then you have another 200 or $400 to put towards retirement, at least you have something growing, right? You've got something started and you're creating that habit of paying yourself first. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I work in a senior community and a lot of seniors, um, we do have quite a few low income seniors mm -hmm. and some of their housing is subsidized, but a lot of times they get one meal a day with their housing and they can't afford to eat the other two times a day. And, you know, this is, it's so sad. It makes me really awesome. sad. And then we run a fund to help them with their basic needs. If they, maybe they need a walker or they need something, um, can't make their rent that month and we help them, but we can only help them as like kind of an emergency. We can't kind of like, I was talking to a woman the other day and she said, well, I applied for the benevolent fund, but I need it like every month because I don't oh. have enough money to live on. <laughs> and, I, you know, we can't do that for everybody, unfortunately. So yeah. it, it is a real problem because I think people don't realize your social security is, you know, most payouts are, let's say, I think it's about 2000 for a couple. That's not a, a lot. Yeah. Most that I see, it's about 700 to a thousand dollars for a person, um, which who can live on. Even if you don't have any debt, how can you live on $1,000 a month um, yeah. if you don't have any more income coming from or somebody helping you, right? And that's people now. Um, you know, like I said, I'm about to be 40. It's projected that I most likely won't have anything at, for, from Social Security. So it's on me to make sure I have enough money for retirement. Um, so I always advise people 
put that money away and have that money growing for you. So that way, when you get to retirement, you know, you have enough money. And if you do get something from social security, that's considered the extra, right? So if, if it ends up only being 300 bucks or 500 bucks, you're like, well, okay, I have enough money anyways. That's extra that's coming in because we just don't know, you know, in another 30 years, what will social security look like? Exactly. Yeah, we really don't know. And I know my parents pretty much live on Social Security. They do have some savings and they make a little bit on their investments. My dad has mutual fund that pays him some dividends, but I don't know that he could live on that. I mean, they pretty much live on Social Security. Right. And I think most seniors do. So it is it is pretty. But you know, I don't think it has to be scary. I think if you sit down and I like to take a financial calculator and sit down and if you plug in the numbers, it is just absolutely amazing what, you know, you don't think putting $100 to $500 aside, you don't realize how much that can add up over the long term. Right. If you have that compounding over time and you're continuously adding to it, yeah, it can turn into quite a uh, decent amount of money um, over the next 20, 30, 40 years. I love talking to what I call kiddos, you know, 19, 20, 21 year olds. And I'm like, man, you are like ahead of the game. We're going to get you set up with an IRA or, you know, a retirement account of some sort. And, you know, even if they're putting in 50 bucks a month, man, I wish I would have known at 20 to put $50 away and have <laughs> that growth for the next kids. 40 years, man. Because <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not uncommon for me to meet with people in their later 40s or in their 50s. And they're like, I haven't even started saving for retirement. And I'm going, what, what is your plan from here then? What, how, how do you plan to retire? And some are like, well, I'm just gonna have to work forever. I'm like, well, but your body at some point is going to say, no, thank you. I can't work anymore. Um, exactly. Or you're, or you're not going to want to, right? <laughs> I mean, there's a difference between being retired and choosing to work because you like it or you're still feeling good and, you know, you have the energy to do it. Your body is capable of it. But you can also go volunteer if you want to stay busy and active, right? So you don't exactly. have to take the paycheck. So we have a lot of clients in that realm that they've, you know, planned accordingly. And now they can go volunteer and do the things they want to do, but they don't need to take a paycheck because they, they've planned ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. I have a lot of people um, in the senior community where I work where they volunteer in the thrift shop or just, you know, there's a little marketplace and and they love it and it keeps their mind active and busy. But like my dad, I never thought he would retire. He's 89 now and he's starting to lose his memory. He's got a little dementia. So like you can't always predict what's going to happen, you know, and sure. he was really together and and it just, it happens sometimes. So you have to plan. But I think the good news is, like you said, with the kiddos, like I tell my kids, like, put your money, even if you just put $50 aside, put $50 aside in over 20 years, you're going to see what that $50 is going to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I have, um, you know, in software thing, I later where we can show somebody, hey, if we're putting this into you know, mutual fund and it averages this kind of uh, percentage, right? Um, and they're putting this much money away for the next 20, 25, 30, whatever amount, you know, they're 20, right? We're, they've got a good 40 years to put money away, right? And what does that look like in 40 years? So we can kind of give them a ballpark of where they're at. 
And then we also have another part to our software where we can come up with somebody's financial independence number. So we call it their FIN. So meaning how much money do I need to have saved for retirement to live the life that I want, right? So if I want to live um, off of, if I'm living off of three grand now and I still want to be able to live off of three grand in the next, in 25 years, with inflation, what do I need? Because some people can calculate that number, but they don't take into consideration inflation. So our software does that. So we can tell, um, you know, take into consideration like how much money they already currently have saved. Do they have like a 401k? Do they have a personal IRA? Um, do they have some type of pension or something? And we can calculate that. And so maybe it shows them that they need to have $1.8 million for retirement and they have the next 25 years to save, it also break it down to then how much money should they be putting away each month to reach that goal at the age that they want to retire. So it's a really neat software because sometimes, you know, retirement is based on a dollar amount, not an age. So if you have enough money saved at 52, you can retire at 52. So I do have some clients that they're like, I really want to retire at age 55. What do I got to do? So we're able to plug that in too, you know, um, to retire at 55, you're going to need this much money. And how much should we be putting away for that goal? Yeah, my sister-in-law just retired and she's, uh, I think, 55. So um, she was ready. She was an educator like you were. And um, she gets a pension and she's yeah. she's happy and she's enjoying the time off. Um, but, but for me, like, I'd like to work as long as I can because I just love what I do. And why not? As long as I feel good about it. My other question is um, also like a lot of people don't really trust the stock market. There's a lot of fear that goes around like, well, what if there's a loss or what if, you know, the market crashes uh, like long term? Where do you put your money? Like it's not it, putting it in the bank is not going to do anything. So yeah, the bank is not the place. Um, so, you know, people think that the stock market is risky, but I think that's more of the way uh, the society has created it. Cause you think about it, think of the top, um, you know, uh, the wealthy, right? That 1%, 5%, where do you think they put their money? Yeah, that's where they stock put market. their money. <laughs> like, uh, if they're investing millions do you think they're going to invest it in something that's super risky? That's the way I look at it. So, exactly. Uh, you know, where are they putting their money, right? So you just need to make sure you're taking advice from a licensed professional, that we're not taking our advice from Google or, right. um, you know, TikTok or, um, you know, these other <laughs> social idea. medias. Um, oh, well, there's a lot of people on TikTok that, that they, that's, they do. They're giving financial advice. And I'm like, wow, that's uh, kind of scary because they don't have a – they're not held responsible for the information they're providing and how it affects those people that take that advice, right? A financial advisor, they have, they have obligations, right? They're um, monitored by the government. You know, there's rules and regulations that they have to follow. Otherwise, they lose their license. So they're not going to purposely put you into a bad account. Also, they get paid on the growth. So they would like your, your investments to grow as well, right? Uh, so you just have to find the right advisor for you. Um, so, but there's options, right? There's different types of investment options that people can look into when they work with an advisor. Um, obviously, bank accounts are not the place to put it. I mean, if you're wanting it to grow quickly or even long term, right? Bank accounts probably not the greatest idea because on average, uh, bank accounts give 0.01% on the savings. Exactly. So you're not, you're nowhere close to even keeping with inflation. So you're technically losing money. So 
you know, obviously somebody who's close to retirement, we would look at certain types of investment accounts versus uh, ones that might be a little more aggressive. If, you know, somebody's in their 20s, right, you've got lots of time to, um, you know, for it to grow, you know. Um, but if you look at the history of the stock market, I think it's in the past, like, I want to say th the 30, 40, no, maybe even, four, yeah, a good 40 years, there's only been like eight down times, like where it's really down if you look over the average of it. So you can you can do some research online for that, but um, I know some articles I've read, it shows that over the past 40 years, there's only about a handful of times that it's been really technically down, right? That if you pulled your money then, it would probably would not be super great. Yeah, and people tend to pull it in the bad times, and that's exactly when you should be holding tight. Yeah, gotta hold tight. Hold tight. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I always just it's on sale, right? It's, <laughs> we always joke. That's like I don't know if you, uh, when you were younger, like you know, I can remember shopping at Smitty's, and you know, chicken was on sale, or something would be on sale that we ate a lot, you know, and but you were limited to two. So then mom would make all four of us kids go with her and we each had to get two and then she'd give us, you know, the $20 or whatever. And you go through this line right. and you go through this line <laughs> so that we can get more that. than the two. Right. So that's what it makes me think. I'm like, it's on sale. Right. So I can get exactly. more right now. So yeah, people, I think just tend to panic, but that's because, um, uh, media, right. Tries to create a frenzy. Um, so they just need to make sure they're taking their, advice from a licensed professional um exactly. you know, don't listen to your neighbor's friend's dog walker right <laughs> um that's probably not the ideal person to take some financial advice from right sit down with a licensed professional uh, if they're licensed they've they've had to do some work to get those licenses, right and then like i said they're they're highly regulated and monitored by the state and federal government so they have to have a um you know have to withhold a certain um, responsibility to their clients. Exactly. Like a fiduciary responsibility. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think part of it is two people panic because they're not educated. Right. So that's one of the things that we're huge on in our office is educating people so that they know ahead of time. So then they, when things do go down or they dip, they're not panicking because they understand how it works. So we've educated them on how stock market, mutual funds, things like that, um, other investments, how that really works so that they're then not panicking because they know what it means. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is psychological and, you know, also like focusing on the positive and focusing on the present. So just dealing with what you have. And even I think like when you're dealing with paying off debt, you have to kind of in your mind know it's okay. Like if you haven't, if you have debt, it doesn't make you a bad person. If you got in, a lot of people are in student loans and, you know, they beat themselves up because they've got a hundred thousand dollars in student loans. It's not like money isn't good or bad. It's just something that is a tool to help us get the things we need. Sure. And, and part of that is that education, right? Um, being able to know and you know, they shouldn't feel bad. It happens probably because they didn't have the education like myself, like using credit cards over and over because I didn't realize really, you know, how credit cards worked and the the downside of a credit card with the interest rate being 22% and working against me, um, knowing that you can save for things and pay cash, right? Or 
how this money would have grown if it had been in an investment versus wasting it on things I didn't need. So part of it is just education in a sense, you know, um, yes, they, they shouldn't feel bad. It's pretty common for people to have debt. I mean, there's a lot of people that they, they are very worried that they have a lot of debt and sometimes I look at it and I'm, man, you actually really don't have a lot of debt compared to the average person. Right. Right. Um, a lot of people that got 15 or 20,000 in student loans and they're panicked. And I'm like, I know you're panicked, but actually on average, I meet with people, they have more like 30 to 50,000 in student loans. So they're like, Oh, okay. 15,000 is not so bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so that's a perspective, right? So somebody might panic for having 15,000 in, in, in debt and versus somebody else might panic because they have 60,000 in debt. So it's kind of that perspective aspect as well. Yeah, even sometimes people that are making a lot of money and you'll see them making really high six figures, but they're spending as much as they're making and the right. debt keeps increasing. So it just I think means you have more money to spend. It means, it means you can <laughs> accumulate more debt. Exactly. <laughs> they give you loans and lots of credit cards when you make six figures, right? Because they're like, oh, you can pay your bills. So here's you more. You can pay your bills. <laughs> I yeah. Know. Yeah, and we meet never- with several several clients that you know you would think they're making 150 200,000 a year that man they'd be great and you, you look over their stuff and no it just so means good. I have more money to mismanage <laughs> so yeah. they, they do need help you know on how can we get rid of that debt better uh, place that money into you know retirement and things like that so it can grow Yeah. And I like your focus also on giving back that you're teaching your children, you know, to save some and give back as well. And, you know, I think a lot of people, because I work more on the nonprofit side, a lot of people think, well, I don't have anything to give. And I kind of think everybody has something to give, even if you just give your time in the beginning. But you'd be surprised when you kind of break down your expenses and you really look at what you're what you're doing a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of waste. (laughs) And, you know, I think a lot of people could find a little bit just to just to make it a I think it's a practice. So if you put that in that practice into your life, and you're used to giving making some paying your bills, and then donating some, I think it just becomes a way of life. Yeah, and I want to teach my kids, you know, um, I feel like, if I'm, if we're making more money, that means we also have more to give. So I, I don't want our growth and our, our money to only benefit us. I want it to benefit others. So teaching them that, Hey, I can still share my money with those who need it because money's just going to keep come back. I feel like it's, you know, putting the good karma out there, right? I do these good things. So then karma is going to come back and benefit me in the long run. So teaching them that, hey, we can help others. Yes, make sure we're taken care of, but we can also help others as well, whether that's volunteering our time. um, You know, we make sure like when we get rid of our toys or clothes that we're donating it to the right places, Um, you know, being able to provide uh, donations, you know, with money. Um, So just a variety of ways that we can give back and, you know, to help the community. Yeah, and I talk a lot about mindset on the podcast. And I think that is something like you have an abundance mindset rather than a lot of people have a scarcity mindset. And they kind of feel like, well, if I give away, I'm gonna have nothing for myself. And I think as it generally works, the good energy from giving usually comes back to you. And I've found that in my life personally. 
the more I give, the more it seems to come back. And it comes from unexpected sources sometimes. Yeah, it's, you know, it is a lot with mindset because there's plenty of money out there for all of us. So there's, there's money out there. There's plenty, there's enough for everyone. Um, so I was the same way in my twenties that, you know, I was always so broke and I, I mean, I did still give back to people, but I was always worried, like, how am I going to eat? How am I going to be taken care of? How am I going to get my stuff? Right. And then once I realized that, Hey, there's plenty of money out there, I can always make more money. So we can handle this. We can donate this. We can help this person out. And, I, you know, ever since I've adopted that kind of mindset, I've never had, we haven't struggled. It's, it's not become an issue. So, um, you know, I just believe in karma too. So <laughs> you're like, you said, I, it comes back to you. It just does. Yeah, it definitely does. And there's just some, something nice about giving that, even if it doesn't come back to you, you know, you've done something good in the world and you've put your money towards something good and towards helping others. So I think there's just that kind of intrinsic value of helping others and doing some good in the world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and once you um, have that financial peace, you can do a lot more good in the world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we just we want to make sure we're putting our, our own financial plan into place and following that. And then things just kind of fall into place from there, um, being able to help others. You know, you can build a whole legacy, um, you know, through putting your own plan into place. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think, well, you need to be a millionaire to really, you know, build that kind of legacy. And I'm here to tell you, no, you don't really have to be, you know, whatever you can afford to give. Like once you've got, you know, your stuff paid and you have your emergency fund and you've helped your family, of course, help yourself first and be strong first. But you can always give back. And sometimes, you know, you would be surprised, like giving ten dollars to somebody who's hungry and thirsty on the streets yeah. can make a big difference. Yeah. And, you know, and not only just with that in the general and community, but also our own family in the sense of, you know, life insurance, right? Making sure you're protected so that you're setting your family up for financial success in, in your absence, right? Uh, making sure there's plenty for them so then they can be able to continue to help others, right? So being able to help other charities, help other foundations, because if they're financially secure, they can do more for others as well. Exactly. I know some people had questions about long-term care, and that's one thing that I've been wondering about as well. Like, how can people buy, I've heard it's really expensive and hard to buy long-term care. Is there anything in particular you can recommend or any kind of products? Sure. So there are, um, so long-term care is kind of one of those things that's like, it's like 50-50, right? So it is, it is pricey. Um, you have to be a certain age to um, get it, right? So like being 40, I cannot get it. Um, you have to be older. Um, and then it's pricey and you have to qualify for it. So if you've already got medical issues, they're not going to give it to you. Um, so I look at it as if you've built your investments and you've become like self-insured independent in that sense, you have that money then to pay for long-term care if you need it. There's also certain types of investments that have um, some stuff worked into that where you can, that it would help pay for long-term care. So if you want to get your own long-term care insurance, then 
you know, you'd have to do some research on the companies, but it, it, it can be difficult to get and it's, it's, it is pretty pricey. Yeah. And some people have mentioned hybrid products where it's like a, a life insurance, but it has a long-term care component. That was the first I've heard of that. Um, are those good products or how I do think they work? They're probably talking about um, the, the investment, like I was saying, like an, a new annuity has that worked into it. So I don't know of any life insurance products that have long-term care worked into it um, that I have seen. Oh, okay. Well, that's all good stuff to keep in mind. I know I've done really, I have an annuity. Um, mm-hmm. That was my 401k and I rolled it up into an annuity. Yeah. And I think like products like that are really great for um, retirement funds. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, you know, it's all customizable. So if you're sitting with that advisor, they can look at would, you know, mutual funds be more appropriate? Would, um, you know, an annuity be more appropriate? Um, You know, we've got all kinds of different things that we can look at for them. And, you know, they're going to ask lots of questions to learn about you and, uh, you know, understand your risk tolerance, you know, how much do you know about investments, things like that. So they do like to get to know you pretty well so that, they can find the best um, vehicle, investment vehicle for you. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's hard for people to open up to a financial advisor or financial coach because it is so personal personal, and we, we don't talk about money a lot in this society, yeah. you know, yeah. so it, it is something. But, you know, it's kind of like going to the doctor. If you don't tell them what you're really going through, they can't really help you. Right, so, yes. <laughs> Exactly. It's, it's, you know, one of those cases where I think you have to be open and, you know, a a professional financial advisor will really help you. So how can people get in touch with you? Maybe you can leave your contact information. So if anybody would like a, you know, a session with you. Absolutely. So the best way to contact me is through my cell phone. They can either call or text me. That number is 602-526- 0737 or they can email me it's m as in michelle and then my last name letterly l-e-t-t-e-r-l-y at primerica.com but my cell phone is going to be the best way we do free financial reviews we do free consultations so we don't charge anything to sit and review stuff for you or educate you on um, anything that you might have questions those debt plans are free budgeting is free Uh, We really just truly love helping our community and making sure people um, are educated so they can make those great decisions, right, and have that knowledge to make the appropriate decisions. Yeah, I think that's great. And that definitely is, you know, a first step on the road to financial peace and feeling peaceful about your future and the decisions that you've made. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, this has been a great talk, and I think I've learned a whole lot, too, as well. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I definitely encourage our listeners to reach out to Michelle and you work across the country though, right? Yep. I can help. Yeah. I can help clients anywhere in the United States. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day and thank you so much for being our guest today. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Mm -hmm, You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.